Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. What makes it like what 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 is it about this tournament that makes it so hard to win? Like what do you what do you have to do as a wrestler and as a coach and as a you know a club or a program to prepare kids to win this thing? I think you got to put them in a lot of tough situations because they're going to be in tough situations. Um, it's the best competition. I mean, every, everyone who's anyone's probably going to be there because the best guys want to make a world team. Um, then you factor in four minute matches. I mean, that's short. Uh, so you got to be pretty stinking stingy. I mean, you make a mistake, it can be hard to hard to rally from, right? And it's tough match after tough match after tough match. Um, so it's just it's it's hard to do. And obviously, we only have one guy that's went through it and finally made the team. And we've had some some salty kids go through that tournament. But I mean, going there and doing well, it's I mean, you place, you're 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 no joke. You're legit, right? Um, as far as preparing them, I think you just got to put them in a lot of tough situations and and see how they handle it because they're probably going to be in those situations, right? And make sure that they keep composed when maybe something doesn't go their way or call doesn't go their way or maybe they're down and they got to go get it, that they've been there before. And we put them in those situations in the room a lot just so they're prepared. was the voice of TJ Seabolt, head coach of the Seabolt Wrestling Academy. He and a bunch of his best athletes are in Las Vegas this weekend for the Cadet World Team Trials. Had a conversation with him about that tournament and some of the guys he's looking forward to watching compete this weekend. But first, hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome to In the Room, a wrestling podcast from the Des Moines Register. I'm Cody Goodwin, the Register's wrestling writer, and I am glad you're here. Happy Thursday. We got a lot to talk about today. We are going to touch on uh, the U.S. Open festivities that are going on in Las Vegas because that is um, – there's a lot of things to touch on, right? There's a lot of things going on, a lot of wrestling that we're going to be watching um, this weekend, a lot of wrestling that's already happened already. Um, but we got some uh, we got some things to touch on here first um, on today's episode, number 143. Hope you guys have had a pretty good week. Um, first thing we're going to touch on, we got some changes coming to the Iowa High School wrestling postseason that we need to discuss. This all came down yesterday on Wednesday. The Iowa High School Athletic Association announced some pretty major changes that are going to take effect literally next season. Chief among them is that the state duels championships will no longer be the day before the traditional state tournament, right? Uh, state duels championships have been moved um, to a weekend, a Saturday that is um, – as of right now, two weeks before the 2023 traditional state tournament, um, February 4th, 2023. I know that that seems like forever away. At least it feels that way to me. But that weekend is also uh, normally reserved for sectionals for Class 1A and 2A, which leads me to the next major change that's coming down, and that's Class 1A and 2A will no longer have sectional tournaments, right? 
kind of see where this is going a little bit. The Iowa High School Athletic Association doing away with sectionals and making all three classes do districts only to qualify for the traditional state tournament. That also leads to the third major change, and that is that there will be 24 state qualifiers now for each class, well, each weight in each class for the traditional state tournament. So um, saying them that way, I think you guys can kind of see how everything's a little bit lined up now. Those are kind of the three major changes. There were a handful of other changes that we'll touch on here in just a moment, but I want to kind of do break down how those three specific changes, those are kind of the biggies, right? State duels is no longer the night before the traditional tournament. Uh, Sectionals is gone, and now there's 24 state qualifiers. Kind of wanted to discuss real quick how those are all linked together. Um, And I I guess we can start here, right? First order of business was to move state duels. Um, At least that's according to the Iowa High School Athletic Association. Um, And this move has been something, um, been a long time coming, right? Coaches and wrestlers and even some fans have wanted to move state duels off the same week as the traditional state tournament. Um, It's been that way since 2012. And it's created kind of a weird predicament for teams that want to honestly compete for a dual team title while also making sure that their guys stay ready for the individual tournament as well. That's why sometimes we see scores that are like 70-something to not a lot of points. Or in the case of like Southeast Polk a few years ago, they beat North Scott 80 to negative 3. So they decided to move state duels. Um, which is now, again, February 4th. That's a Saturday, 2023. Um, It also just so happens, quick side note here, um, that that's the Saturday after the Iowa Girls High School Athletic Union's first girls state wrestling tournament. That's scheduled for February 2nd, 3rd. That's a Thursday, Friday. And then you got state duels on Saturday. The girls state wrestling tournament is going to be held at Extreme Arena in Coralville, which is where they've held the last two IWCOA Girls State Wrestling Championships. Makes perfect sense to me if the Boys State Duels Championships is going to be held there too. They don't even have to lift the mats up, maybe just rearrange them a little bit. Um, Iowa High School Athletic Association did not announce that that they are going to take them to Extreme Arena. They said they're going to explore a bunch of other options. They kind of want to see what's out there. Um, They may keep them here in Des Moines. They may take them to other parts of the state. They may very well take them to Extreme Arena. Um, Haven't announced that yet. They're going to look into some options, try to figure that out this summer. Stay tuned. Um, But by moving state duels, back to what we were originally talking about, that created a situation where the Iowa High School Athletic Association needed a free weekend in order to place that event there um, by pinning down the first Saturday in February. That meant either adjust the rest of the schedule or do away with sectionals. It made way more sense to just do away with sectionals. In Class 1A, there were no single sectionals bracket that was bigger than eight kids. In Class 2A, no sectionals bracket was bigger than six kids. It's been that way for a while. It seems like an unnecessary extra step um, when district tournaments um, can just house all those same teams and they can go to the same school and hash it out in a district format, right? Um, But then that partially led to the 24 state qualifiers per weight, um, which I'm not totally sold on just yet. I think that kind of, it's a little weird to me, Um, but I can understand the rationale for expanding. And one of the big reasons is it came down to a size issue, like the size of the schools. Class 3A schools generally bigger um, and big enough to host 8, 10, 12 teams even for a district tournament. You'll likely see Class 3A stay at 8 districts across the state and then you'll have the top 3 finishers qualify for the state tournament. Class 2A and 1A could potentially look different. They could stay at eight districts. So there's currently, or I guess not currently anymore, but last season, 16 sectionals um, fed into eight districts, which then, you know, top two come out of districts, go to the state tournament. You could see potentially in 1A and 2A, um, I think more likely in 1A than in 2A, but you could still potentially see this in 2A, um, 12 districts 
and only the top two wrestlers qualify for the state tournament. That'll be worked out at a later date. Um, a lot of things at play there for 1A and 2A. I think I, it, the potential to, for 2A to stay with eight districts, top three qualify, 1A goes to 12, top two qualify. Could also see 2A go to 12, top two qualify. Um, a lot of different things at play here. Um, they could keep them at all eight if the schools feel like that they can handle all that. Um, just something to keep in mind might be worked out later this summer. Those were kind of the three major changes um, and kind of a little bit of a domino effect there, kind of how one led to the next led to the next. Um, again, uh, th- that's kind of mostly the big changes that are coming, but some you know some changes that some people have been waiting for a long, long time. There were a few other smaller changes that I did want to at least touch on here for you guys. Regional duels qualifiers are now all voted through the IWCOA committee. Previously, um, IWCOA helped figure out the host for all three classes and then decided the top 24 teams in Class 3A, while 2A and 1A, um, some of their dual qualifiers were decided at the sectional tournaments. Now it's all going to go through the IWCOA. Um, been a slight change in the seeding criteria for the traditional state tournament. Wrestlers will now no longer receive an additional point for the head-to-head wins over other state qualifiers um, led to a couple of funny seating scenarios at the state championships this year. I imagine that that's where that change came from. Finally, Iowa High School Athletic Association also voted to keep 14 weight classes for the 23-24 season. This isn't something I'm going to spend too much time on, um, but in, in the short version is that the National Federation of State High School Associations offered states the option of 12, 13, or 14 weight classes. Iowa voted to stay with 14. Um, a few of the weights are going to look a little different, but we'll worry about that when we cross that bridge ahead of the 23-24 season. But, uh, hey, again, those are the big changes. Um, state duels have been moved. Sectionals um, is no more. And there's 25 state qualifiers per weight. Um, the state tournament's now going to be a four-day tournament. Um, I, I guess that's that's probably notable. Probably should have mentioned that somewhere in that little diatribe. Um, it'll be a Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday tournament yet now. I don't know what exactly the schedule is going to look like. Um, they've got some ideas that they want to get hammered out um, again sometime this summer. Um, but that, those are kind of the big changes, right? And, and it's going to look different. It's going to be something we're going to have to probably get used to. I know that there's some excitement um, about moving state duels. I know there's maybe a little bit of hesitancy about the whole 24 state qualifiers. Um, at least maybe that's where I stand. Um, but that's kind of where it's at right now. Um, after the announcement, I was able to get Louie Curtis on the phone. Louie is the wrestling administrator at the Iowa High School Athletic Association. And we talked about some of these changes just kind of real briefly for 10 minutes. He kind of gave us some insight about... Um, you know, how the changes came to be. He kind of broke down that domino effect a little bit more. Um, what are some options that they're looking at in terms of a state dual site, in terms of um, the state tournament schedule now that it's four days? Um, you know, some, some other things that they're still trying to hash out, hopefully sometime this summer. Um, just a really enlightening conversation, just kind of broke down everything for us shortly after the announcement. So we, uh, I've turned that conversation into the first half of today's podcast for you guys. Um, so you can kind of come behind the curtain a little bit with me to understand how some of these decisions were made. So only about 10 minutes I talked with Louie um, and again, turned it into part of today's show. We will go to that now. Louie Curtis, wrestling administrator of the Iowa High School Athletic Association, talking about Iowa high school wrestling postseason changes. Here we go. Guys on my advisory committee, I'm just going to throw away my postseason manual and start rewriting it. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing, nothing's the same. Um, I mean, I, I, 
generally speaking, outside of the 24 qualifiers, which I guess I could potentially get talked into, um, I like these changes. I, what, how do you feel about them? Yeah, I mean, I think they're um, positive. I think the the you know the primary, I think the primary objective was state duels, um, finding it finding a better date, and then in doing that, it required other it required other things to change, which all. You know, I think a lot of the, not obviously not a couple of the changes weren't related to that at all, but, um, but the, uh, but most of them were because of one thing, it led to, uh, the possible need for another thing and a possible need for something because of that. So I think the 24 was a byproduct of, um, not having sectionals. And um, feeling the, the need to possibly have class 1A and 2A be constructed in a little bit different manner with regard to how many teams were in the district. Um, it gives us the option of having eight districts or 12 districts. Um, to get to 24 qualifiers, so you can qualify top three, or you can qualify top two if there were 12 districts. Um, and that, you know, that that just came about because of not having sectionals and because of wanting a different date for the state duels. And so it was all, it was all, it all just kind of was a domino effect, basically. I gotcha. Um, so the so the plan is to keep it at eight districts. Then is that what I'm hearing? Well, we haven't decided that yet. The board, in their in our discussion, um, they they want they want uh, me to get the advisory committee back together to discuss um, what what we want that district set up to look like, knowing that it might not be the same in every class. You know, obviously, even if even if they are eighteen districts. Um, or excuse me, even if there are eight district sites, um, and, and, uh, three qualifiers out of each, the district, the districts are all set up a little bit different. So you've got 3A with eight teams, 2A with 12 teams, 1A with 15 teams. So then if you say, well... You could also do 12 sites with uh, two qualifiers. Then your your uh, 2A would be an eight-team district where the top two go, and 3A would still be. I mean, 3A is pretty well set. It's going to be eight teams in eight districts. Top three go. But, I mean, that, you know, 3A could theoretically go to 12, you know, they could go to 12 sites, um, but they wouldn't have, you know, there's not like an even number of, you know, you'd have to have five or six teams in a site, and I don't think we're, 
looking to do that. So I think the the eight eight groups of eight top three seems to make the most sense in three A. The others, um, you know, I think are up for debate still, and I think we'll we'll hammer that out and take a recommendation to our board in June at our June meeting um, just to finalize that. But I mean, it's going to be one of those two, but I but it, it might not necessarily be the same. Okay. Well, that, I mean, yeah, that makes sense since the, you know, the postseasons have looked different, right? With 2A, 1A doing sections. Yeah, yeah, they do. I mean, when you think about, you know, even like we had recent changes in football where we have some of the classes have 32 qualifiers, some have 16 qualifiers. Um, You know, we have eight player football, we have 11 player football, we have six, six teams in 4A basketball and you know, nine or ten teams in one A basketball that have to get through their postseason. So it's all everybody has a little bit different qualifying method. I think the one of the things that we'll you know that we'll have to talk about is the is not just the number of teams, but then also well how how are we going to wrestle that bracket? You know, um, wrestling back on the backside for sectional tournament has always been you're just competing for fifth place. Um, And that probably is going to change because we're going to want to have more of a, since it is a qualifier, you know, we're going to want to have more of a um, true, you know, true second or true third, you know, where that's, you know, if you get, beat in the first round that you might still have an outside chance of winning your way back in. So um, we just got a lot of things to talk about because you know, the length of that day um, will be an issue for some. It'll be, I don't think it's outlandish though. I don't think there's any, um, you know, there's any timeline that says we can't <laughs> just, you know, it might be a longer tournament, but um, people go to tournaments that, and they they sit there all day. So <laughs> um, you know, I don't I don't think that's a I don't think that's a huge um, issue. I just think I just think there's a couple of different options that we have to look at and try to figure out well, what what do we want to do so that we can say this is this is how we're moving forward with it. As opposed to it just being, um, you know, Louis decided we're doing this. Yeah. No, that totally makes we'll get, sense. We'll get them together here in the next, you know, next month or so and and hammer out those two or three details and, and then be ready to kind of uh, get our plans made for, for next winter. Yeah, absolutely. I know that you guys... Um, didn't announce a location for state duels, but I mean, it seems pretty easy to put two and two together here, right? The the girls are going to have their state tournament that February 2nd, 3rd. That leaves that Saturday the 4th open, which is the date that you guys set. But um, I mean, is it easy to assume that Extreme Arena is going to host the state duels that, that Saturday after the girls get done with their state tournament or, or where, where else are you guys exploring? Yeah, our board wants us to speak 
um, seek venues from around the state that would have an interest in that um, event and, uh, you know, take some bids on it and see where we go. Um, you know, there's that, that date obviously um, makes sense uh, for Extreme Arena because of the because of the girls event um but you know there's also other other nice facilities um that probably would like to be considered um the issues obviously uh include just there's so many different locations that are you know eastern Iowa western Iowa far western Iowa far eastern Iowa you know, um, there's there's not a lot um, that's that kind of size that we've really identified in Central Iowa. Oddly enough, there's a lot. There's there's obviously some big big um, spaces in Central Iowa, but don't know about um, venues that are you know five to six thousand seats. Um, right in that in that neck of the woods either so um it's hard to say i don't know i don't know how that'll all play out that's something that we're gonna um kind of start to investigate a little bit and um you know eventually we'll recommend that as well recommend a site and uh yeah but we, we just don't know yet yeah and in contract We've been in contact with Iowa City just because we knew they had Thursday, Friday, and we wanted to see if Saturday was available. But we haven't um, we haven't sought anything more than that, other than just to see is your venue available. Um, but there's, like I said, you know, Council Bluffs has a nice place. Sioux City has a nice place. Waterloo has a nice place. Um, Oroville obviously has a nice place. Um, you know, and there, there's probably others um, that I don't, maybe don't even remember or know about. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we'll see where that goes. Yeah, absolutely. I think the I, one of the last things I had for you is: Do you I, a four day state tournament now? Do is that? I you guys used to hold a four day state tournament. It, is it? as simple as going back to that schedule or do you know what that schedule might look like roughly or yeah no the uh, we've got a few things penciled out i want to sit down and really um try to try to look at it from my own eyes as opposed to what somebody else kind of proposed to me um i think uh there's a I would say there's a very real possibility of putting 10 mats down instead of eight. Um, but that's, that's very tentative right now. Um, I think the other thing, Cody, that it will probably have to happen is I don't think you're going to see a mishmash of classes like we did on those Friday afternoon and Friday evening sessions. I think you're going to end up seeing um, 1A, 2A, 3A uh, in their own you know, within their own session and you'll run 
you'll run through all their matches for that session, and then you'll bring in a different class. I don't think we'll have up until Saturday, probably Saturday for the medal rounds and the and the finals. Um, I don't think you'll see the, the all the classes mixed together like we have from from what I envision, I guess. Okay. That's, I'll be kind of interesting to see what you come up with. Cause that's, I don't know, that, yeah. it adds like another round to the tournament. So I, you know, what's, what is all that going to look like with another day? I'm not sure. Yeah. Awesome stuff there from Louie. Always enjoy my conversations with him. Um, And again, I hope that sheds some light on how all these changes kind of came to be um, for some of you guys who might still be a little bit confused and took you behind the curtain a little bit about kind of some some things that they're planning, um, you know, when it comes to the state tournament schedule, some of the things they're looking at for state duels venues and uh, and some other things that they've got planned. Uh, Final interview for today's show is, like I mentioned before, with TJ Seabolt, head coach at Seabolt Wrestling Academy arguably one of the deepest, most talented wrestling clubs in the country and inarguably the best club in the state of Iowa. TJ and I talked about a number of different things, but we mostly touched on the action coming up this weekend in Las Vegas. It's already started, but it's U.S. Open Week. And of the dozens of different competitions that are going on this weekend, senior men's and women's freestyle, senior Greco-Roman, junior men's freestyle, junior Greco-Roman, that tournament already happened. There's a high school um, girls wrestling showcase. There's all these master's divisions that are going on where apparently there's some UFC fighters who are competing in there today. Um, The highlight of this five-day wrestling extravaganza is the Cadet World Team Trials. A year ago, Iowa High School Wrestling put on a masterful performance at the Cadet World Team Trials, sent six wrestlers to the semifinals, three to the finals, and then Nate Jessaroga from Southeast Polk made the Cadet World Team, the first Iowa high school wrestler to make the Cadet World Team since 2014, just the fourth to make the Cadet World Team since United World Wrestling reinstituted the Cadet World Championships in 2011, and by my research, just the ninth Iowa high schooler all time to make a Cadet World Team. Nate then went on to win a bronze medal in men's freestyle, which was the fifth top five finish all time by an Iowa high school wrestler at the Cadet World Championships. Nate, of course, trains at Seabolt and will be in action this weekend at the Cadet World Team Trials. But TJ and I touched on uh, some other kids that he is uh, excited to watch who could make some noise this weekend out in Vegas. Um, Also talked about some of his older guys that are going to compete at the UWW Junior Men's Freestyle National Championships where some of those older high schoolers are going to be able to get their hands on some some younger collegiate wrestlers. Um, You know, that's also the first leg of the Junior World Team Trials process. So um, just kind of talk to TJ about what, what makes this tournament so hard, what he was able to learn through the experience of Nate winning it last year, going to the World Championships, how that's kind of, um, you know, helped him adjust as a coach, learn as a coach, um, things he tried to bring back to his room to help other guys who have big dreams like that. Really insightful conversation, um, and I think you guys are going to enjoy it as well. So let's go to that now. TJ Seabolt, head coach of the Seabolt Wrestling Academy, ahead of the Cadet World Team Trials. Here we go. TJ Seabolt here after... Tuesday night practice, the week of the, there's a lot going on this weekend. 15U, 17U, 20. U20, and you got a couple of guys wrestling in the senior, well, you got one guy wrestling in the senior. Shriver. Um, what's this, what, what's the week been like? I guess it's only Tuesday, but like there's there's a lot going on. What's what's What are you most looking forward to this weekend? Let's start there. Most looking forward to, I can't really pick a favorite. 
Um, <laughs> obviously, uh, U17s like you know it's one of the toughest. I don't know. In my opinion, it's like the toughest tournament there is for lighter weight kids, probably. Right. So, looking forward to that challenge and how the kids compete, and then obviously seeing some of the kids that graduated our club and are in college now compete too. And then uh, I don't know, all of it, man. I'm looking forward to all of them. Looking for seeing, looking forward to seeing our guys compete. Yeah, against well, the best. And I want to pick your brain a lot about the 17U stuff, but uh, to get to see guys like Colin and Caleb Rachi, senior and junior level, like how much fun is that going to be for you to see those guys who have come through the program? Those two guys now specifically are at Iowa. To get to see them again at these high-level competitions, that I mean, you, I mean, you guys probably grew up watching the Open together, right? With guys like Colin and, and Caleb that are two just rustling nuts, like. It's got to be pretty fun to kind of see them continue to keep doing this, right? Absolutely. It's crazy. It makes you feel old because <laughs> you remember when they were little youngsters and we'd be watching it on our phones or whatever. You'd be watching World Team Trials or the U.S. Open Finals or, or whatever. Now they're, they're there, right? And I got to see them wrestle a couple times this year. So anytime, anytime that happens, it's great. Um, you just want to see them keep doing well and getting better. And Yeah. What's that going to be like for you because they're – they're there through at the Hawkeye Wrestling Club, right? But they're, I mean, those are two Seabolt kids through and through. Like, you coach them forever. Right. It's, it's weird. I mean, obviously, you want to coach, and sometimes I still yell. But I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if I'm supposed to. But yeah. I will a little. Maybe they hear me, maybe they don't. But um, I know they're in good hands, so. How much do you keep in contact with guys after they get up, you know, off to college? A lot. Me and, me and Colin have been texting a lot recently. Um, I've seen him last weekend. Oh, yeah, a little bit. Me and Caleb went to lunch. I dropped him off his house. Talked to Drake all the time. He's pretty good about reaching out to me and checking on the guys and his teammates. And he texted me, I think, yesterday. He asked me if the boys are ready to go. So he's always following and staying in touch. They got their own little group chat on Snapchat <laughs> and everything. So it's pretty cool. They're a pretty tight-knit group. Absolutely. Um, the current group of guys that you had in the room tonight, a lot of those guys are going to be at the 17U World Team Trials. Um, I guess before we touch on some of the guys that'll be there, in your experience over the last few years, seeing guys go through that tournament come up short, seeing guys like Nate and a couple other guys that you have in your club from out of state go through that tournament and win it, and then go to the World Championships or go to you know Pan Am's and some of these other big tournaments that come with winning this tournament. What makes it, like what 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 is it about this tournament that makes it so hard to win? Like what do you what do you have to do as a wrestler and as a coach and as a you know, a club or a program to prepare kids to win this thing? I think you got to put them in a lot of tough situations because they're going to be in tough situations. Um, it's the best competition. I mean, every, everyone who's anyone's probably going to be there because the best guys want to make a world team. Um, then you factor in four minute matches. I mean, that's short. Uh, so you got to be pretty stinking stingy. I mean, you make a mistake, it can be hard to, hard to rally from, right? And it's tough match after tough match after tough match. Um, so it's just it's it's hard to do, and obviously we only have one guy that's went through it and finally made the team. And we've had some some salty kids go through that tournament, but I mean going there and doing well, it's I mean you place you're 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 no joke, you're legit, right? Um, but as far as preparing them, I think you just got to put them in a lot of tough situations and and see how they handle it because they're probably going to be in those situations, right? And make sure that they keep composed when. Maybe something doesn't go their way or call doesn't go their way or maybe they're down and they got to go get it that they've been there before. And we put them in those situations in the room a lot just so they're prepared. Yeah, it'd be easy to say that, like, you know, 
Nate did a lot of things right to not only make the team, but go on to win a bronze medal last year. Um, and I guess I phrase this question not as on, not as like a knock on the guys that didn't win this tournament, because like you said, it's a meat grinder, but like, what did Nate figure out last year to do what he was able to do? Like, what was it about, you know, his mental makeup? What was it about just the way he was wrestling last year? Like what, how did he figure How did he crack this code? Uh, I don't think he did anything out of his, you know, his character. I mean, he's, it's just how he wrestles, right? He's hard to score on. He does a good job holding good position. It's tough to get to his legs. He controls the center, puts guys on the zone a lot. He's got good offense when he pulls a trigger. Um, he wears on guys. So if you wrestle him off the scale, it can be can be tough. And you know, things just maybe a little bit of luck. Uh, you're gonna need it probably, but you can't you can't think that way really. You gotta go take care of business. Uh, I don't. I don't look at it as any one thing. It's just him. I, I mean, he knows he can do it. Of course, we believe the guys that, could, that were there before could do it. It just didn't go their way. But I don't think there's something you can pinpoint as to why he figured it out, right? Yeah. I think he just did what he did. He believed in himself and wrestled well. And he had to, I mean, semifinals, he had to go get a takedown, right? He was losing and went and got it. So I think never letting up, wrestling the full match. Believing in yourself and expecting to do it is a lot of it. Yeah. So, yeah. How much has this tournament over the years? Because like you said, anybody who's anybody is at this tournament. And, you know, kids have these bigger goals. And that stuff that you preach here at your club is to always aim higher and, and shoot bigger. How much has this tournament impacted you as a coach? Like how much has it kind of forced you to change the way you do things? I would say in the beginning maybe. Because uh, I wasn't, I mean... Maybe in the beginning, it's more. I was stuck in like the Fargo. Fargo is the until you go to that tournament. Because when I was wrestling, you know, it really wasn't. It wasn't like this. Yeah. Where well, the they didn't have level. it when you were in high school, right? No, I, yeah. I think they had jun Fila Juniors, maybe. I can't remember. Anyway, yeah. but then when you go there and you see everybody who's everybody's there, and I think first year Cullen had like Kurt McHenry first round, and I was like, man, this place is no joke, right? <laughs> um, so I think the adjustment was hey this is what this is where we need to go do well at this is what we're aiming at right and we want to be able to go overseas and and give ourselves an opportunity to win world championships and you just preach that you make the message clear like hey this is what this club's about and maybe not everybody's gonna think that way but you can get a few going that direction it's gonna be good yeah how much did last year's experience of you know being there when Nate made the team, of going on that trip with him, watching him win a bronze medal. Like, what I, what did you kind of take away from that whole experience as, as a coach, as as a wrestling fan, as, you know, I, I don't want to say spectator because you were probably all, um, you know, I mean, you were probably sweating along with him going through everything. But, um, like, what did that experience teach you uh, or show you or? I don't know. You just kind of get your ears wet overseas and see how things go and what it's like. But, uh thing I took away is losing sucks. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he got a bronze medal and everything. That's great. But, you know, he was going there for gold, and I certainly expected him to do it. Yeah. Um, so you take away wanting, you know, you want to go get gold. And obviously you got the experience. You know sort of what it's like. You know what acclimation camp's like. You know what the food's it's going to be different. And, and grocery shopping can be interesting. And, <laughs> And kind of how they wrestle, because I, I had an idea in my mind of how a lot of these guys are going to wrestle, and maybe it was a little bit different than I thought it was. But uh, 
yeah, you know what to expect next time. So experience. Yeah. How much, uh, how much has that experience maybe pushed Nate this year? Or how much has you, have you maybe kind of used that to help push him this year? Well, quite a bit. Um, I'm always in his ear, but he's pretty motivated. And it carried, I mean, he was right back in the room right after World Championships at camp, right? Already thinking that. And then it carried into Super 32, and I think that's why he did real well there. And then obviously went off to high school season, and you get away from him a little bit, and maybe they wander just a little bit. But I don't think he really did, but sorry about that. Light's going off. Nah, you're good. Um, he's pretty driven by it. I know he wants to be a world champion. I mean, not just at this level, but the next level and the one after that. So, Yeah. How much uh, – it, it'd be easy to, like, sit here and talk about Nate the entire time. Um, but who are, who are some other guys that you're excited to kind of see them compete at this tournament this weekend? Because you've got a lot of guys in these in this room that's going to be out there. You know, guys like Drew Ayala, Carter Pearson, Carter Freeman's going to be out there. Um, Kale Peterson's a guy that you've constantly been in my ear about. Um, who, I, who else are you excited to see go out and compete this weekend? All of them, obviously. But uh... – you know, you said Kale. Definitely want to see how he how he comes off the scale and what his mindset. He's got all the talent in the world. Everybody's seen how good he can be when he's on. Um, excited to see him compete, Freeman. I know I believe in him a lot. I know how good he is. Excited to see him. Russell Pearson's a big one. Uh, I know I was watching that Matt Scouts preview and he didn't even get mentioned. And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Bert <laughs> Pearson's no joke. Uh, Drew had a little bit of a rough last weekend. I'm excited to see how he bounces back. Um, our juniors jumping up to that level, right? I'm excited to see them against maybe some college guys, some young college guys, and yeah, obviously our U15 guys. We got Nico over here. Excited to see him compete. Dreshawn, Dreshawn's looking really good lately. I'm excited to see how he does too. Yeah, is the is the 15U like the you win that you go to? Is it like 15U Pan Ams? Is that the there a couple of years ago there was a world championships like the world combat games I think it yeah, was. Yeah, it was weird. Now I think it's just Pan Ams. Okay, but you still make a world team. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. I the last thing I wanted to touch on is is the junior guys. Like you got a lot of high schoolers jumping up to that junior level. I know we talked about Colin and Caleb, but um, I mean Riggins. you mentioned yeah Aiden Riggins, Jace Rhodes. Yeah. Um, is one or both the Martinsons are going to be out there at the U twenty? They're both be there. Um. Joel Jessaroga, Ben Keeter, like what's what can be learned from? I know they, they want to go there and win it, but like what can be learned from getting their hands on, college, you know, collegiate guys like that? Uh, obviously experience again, but I think they've had their hands on some college guys recently, so they kind of know what that the level's not as big as it used to be. I mean, yeah. the jump, right? So I don't I don't expect it to be like whoa. And besides that, Joel wrestled juniors last year, so he's had that. Yeah experience maybe some of the younger guys Hagen and things like that it'll be maybe a new experience for them but I think they'll be just fine yeah only well, like, guy like I'm you know I, I think of Ben Keeter immediately um you know junior national finals last year he's wrestling 97 kilos this weekend um there's gonna be some grown men he's wrestling like that's exciting I think though because I think I, I, I maybe a few of us here are kind of sick of watching him beat up on you know, the 220-pounders around the state of Iowa. Like, how much fun could this be for him? Uh, I agree 100%. It's going to be fun to see him <laughs> wrestle people that he needs to be wrestling. And Ben Keeter's a grown man, too. <laughs> That's what I think about that. Um, no, I look forward to that. I'm sure he looks forward to the challenge, too. And he's been getting ready. Uh, he's been testing himself against old men. So he'll be all right.
Great stuff there from TJ, and I'm seriously looking forward to watching all his guys compete, um, all of the Iowa high school guys that are out competing, whether they're at uh, the, the 15U, the 17U, the U20, or I guess you know the 15U, the cadet, the juniors. Um, just really, really looking forward to a lot of really good wrestling all weekend long out in Vegas. Bummed that I cannot be out there in person, unfortunately, but we will keep tabs on it all weekend here from home. Already, the UWW Junior Greco National Championships, that took place on Wednesday, kind of the... Um, you know, the leadoff competition, right, for the next five days. And, of course, Iowa wrestlers already made some serious noise. Two of them won titles, um, Iowa State recruit MJ Guyton and uh, Jacason Burks, who's a one-time Oklahoma State wrestler who's actually now at Iowa Western. I don't know how many of you guys know that. Um, two more made the finals, Iowa City West Hunter Garvin and Westwood's Jackson DeWald. Really awesome to see a couple of high schoolers go out there and make some noise. Um, and then three more finished sixth, right? Corey Land, Northern Iowa recruit. Wyatt Volker from West Delaware, who's another future Panther. And then Spencer Mooberry, currently at North Dakota State, but he's from Osage. Mooberry, he was actually on pace to meet DeWald in the finals. Um, he was up 6-0 in a semifinal match when he then uh, suffered an elbow injury, had to default all the way to sixth place. Here's hoping he's okay and he's healthy for the Junior World Team Trials in early June. Um, today, Thursday, Cadet Greco World Team Trials are underway, as is the Senior Level Women's Freestyle National Open. Um, Friday, we're going to be all freestyle senior and junior men's freestyle national tournaments, as well as the uh, conclusion of the senior women's national tournaments. And then Saturday, the cadets return for the freestyle world team trials, and that'll go Saturday, Sunday, along with a little bit of senior level Greco as well. Going to be a really fun weekend, so hey, follow your boy on Twitter, at Cody Goodwin. I'm going to be keeping tabs on all of the Iowa wrestlers out there this weekend. But hey... That's all I've got today, guys. Um, Thanks a bunch for listening. Be sure to rate and review the show. Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your shows. Follow me on Twitter, like I just said, as well as Instagram, Cody J. Goodwin. Going to try and do some stuff there over the next few weeks. And, of course, be sure to subscribe and catch all my stories, mailbags, analysis, and videos. You can find links to do all of that as well as stories from this past week in the show notes. Thanks again for listening, you guys. We will talk again soon.